0: Welcome to U News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, December 18th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. Here are today's headlines. The second vaccine for COVID-19 expected to be authorized imminently as a coronavirus catastrophe grows in several states. And with the economy still in a tailspin, congressional talks entering the 11th hour as Americans desperately wait for economic aid. And a look at Joe Biden's potentially historic incoming cabinet, the president-elect making a number of groundbreaking choices as the future White House team looks to tackle a number of crises facing the nation. This and much more today on U News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. On Thursday, more than 233,000 new cases of coronavirus nationwide and another 3,270 people dead. The grim numbers recorded as the FDA gets ready to grant Moderna's vaccine an emergency use authorization with millions of doses ready to ship immediately after. On Thursday, good news on the fight against COVID-19. It looks like we have a favorable vote. The FDA expected to grant Moderna's vaccine an emergency use authorization after an advisory committee voted in favor of it. Operation Warp Speed saying it's ready to ship 6 million doses throughout the U.S. by the end of next week. Vice President Mike Pence and Surgeon General Jerome Adams getting vaccinated on live TV to boost public confidence. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell urging people to trust the science and get the shot, saying that as a polio survivor, he is a big believer in vaccines and is disappointed by polls that indicate a quarter of americans refuse to take it meanwhile as vaccine distributions move along several states are complaining about reduced vaccine allocations washington illinois and florida saying they're now getting 30 to 40 percent less vaccine deliveries than they expected and they haven't given us any explanation of why those numbers are smaller than they were before. Across the country, the crisis continues. A new forecast by the Policy Lab at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia showing the Southeast faces an especially high risk for a surge, including Atlanta, the Carolinas, and Tennessee. Despite CDC guidance not to travel, 84 million Americans are expected to do so over the next few weeks, including nearly three million by air. Experts are urging governors to take a stand against holiday events. You don't have to cancel things. You can still spend time with your family. I'm just asking people to be careful. An Operation Warp Speed says their goal to distribute 20 million doses by years end is still on track and the confusion over allocation comes as three shipments of the precious Pfizer vaccine had to be disposed of when enclosed GPS thermal sensors detected they were sent too cold. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi posting a photo of herself receiving the vaccine as well. In some tragic news, the Sheriff of Wayne County, Michigan has died after a battle with COVID-19. Benny Napoleon was 65 years old. He was diagnosed with the virus on November 19th and hospitalized just two days later. Napoleon served as sheriff since 2009 and had been reelected this year. And it seems that more Americans are masking up. That's according to a survey released by the Kaiser Foundation. Among the findings, 73% of those questions say facial coverings are part of everyone's responsibility to protect the health of others. 23% said mask wearing is a personal choice. As for the COVID-19 pandemic, 51% believe the worst has yet to come, 1,600 people were part of the survey. And turning to Washington, Capitol Hill leaders say they are getting closer to a much needed COVID relief package. They're trying to strike a deal before existing lifelines expire in the coming days while navigating a deadline to avert a government shutdown tonight. Edwin Pitti has the latest from our D.C. Bureau. Edwin.
1: Hi, Lorraine, that's right. The government funding is set to expire today at midnight, and that's why Republican leaders in Congress say they might need to pass a stopgap bill to extend the deadline by 48 hours to allow more time to negotiate, not only on the omnibus bill, but also to work out the details of the coronavirus stimulus deal. Now, both bills go hand in hand because congressional leaders want to tie the relief deal to the $1.4 trillion funding bill, which would keep the government open through next September now there are still issues they are trying to solve they uh, the expiring federal eviction moratorium that is set to come to an end by december 31st under the bill that is being discussed that date would be pushed forward to january 31st giving an instant break to those who have not been able to pay the rent as of now the bill remains the same as we reported yesterday here in U news we are talking about a 900 billion dollar package that includes per week in jobless benefits, $330 billion for small businesses and vaccine distribution, and a second round of checks for $600 for Americans. Now, talking about that check, Lorraine, President Trump was about to demand a bigger check for taxpayers. Reports suggest that Trump wanted the amount to be between $1,200 and $2,000, but he was stuck out of it by White House aides, who said the president was drafting his request for a bigger check when they explained to him that demanding that amount would only complicate the negotiations on Capitol Hill because a larger stimulus check could push the package price tag over the trillion dollar. And while Mitch McConnell said they will work over the weekend and that he's optimistic that a major package is very close at hand, Democrats say that an agreement was in sight until Republicans pushed for a provision by Senator Pat Tomey to reign in the Federal Reserve's Emergency Landing Authority, which, according to Democrats, is an attempt to constrain the Biden administration's effort to respond to the crisis. Live in Washington, D.C. Lorraine, back to you. Happy Friday.
0: Happy Friday, Edwin. Thank you for that live report. And joining us now is Chris lou He's a former Deputy Secretary of Labor and an Obama White House cabinet member. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Over 800,000 people filed for unemployment benefits last week. And as congressional leaders are still struggling to hammer out a COVID relief de- deal, what's your take on those unemployment numbers? How badly do Americans need this relief package?
2: Americans need this relief. Very badly. And what's striking about those numbers is this is now 39 straight weeks where these weekly numbers have exceeded the worst of the Great Recession. There are about 20 million people overall that are collecting some type of unemployment. And unless we get this package done, about 12 million of those people will lose their unemployment benefits. That's on top of millions of others who are going to be evicted from their homes. So this is a big problem and it needs to get solved soon.
0: Chris, President-elect Biden has been announcing historic cabinet picks yesterday. He unveiled uh, the nomination of Representative Dev Hallin as Secretary of the Interior. If confirmed, she'll be the first Native American cabinet member. What's the significance of this choice, in particular at a department as tied to Native Affairs as Interior?
2: Well, you said it exactly right. The Department of Interior has jurisdiction over so many issues involving Native Americans. But until this date, uh, no one um, has actually led it who has been Native American. And so the Congresswoman brings the unique perspective to these issues. On top of that, she has the skills to run a large federal agency that uh, really has uh, uh, jurisdiction over all of the public lands in this country. But broadly speaking, you are seeing the president-elect living up to his promise of having an administration that reflects the diversity of this country. And you're seeing that not just in the interior pick, but in all of the other cabinet picks he's made over the last couple of weeks.
0: Chris, you were one of the highest ranking Asian-Americans in the Obama administration. Biden has yet to fill eight cabinet positions. Can we expect any Asian-Americans to be picked for these positions?
2: Well, it is important to say that he has already had uh, an Asian-American as the OMB director and an Asian-American who will be his U.S. trade representative. Both of those picks have cabinet level status. Uh, And I know that he has heard about this issue from Asian-American members of Congress uh, as well as outside groups. And so I'm confident at the end of the process uh, there will be Asian-Americans represented as well.
0: And speaking of that, all of Biden's picks have to go through Senate confirmation. What are the potential roadblocks ahead?
2: Well, uh, even if Democrats are able to win these two seats in Georgia, that's going to make for basically an evenly divided U.S. Senate. Uh, That is complicated because that means that you have to get every Democrat and you probably have to get a couple of Republicans as well. Uh, And that's just going to mean that these nominations are going to be slower, harder, and it's going to uh, put greater scrutiny on each of these nominees, their qualifications, their previous statements, their previous policies. And so it just, you know, it it will be a challenge. uh, But based on the overall experience of the people that the president-elect has chosen, uh, I fully expect these people to get confirmed.
0: And moving on now to President Trump in the last days of his presidency, he's been completely absent from public view and he's been silent as the COVID pandemic is raging on. And as a suspected Russian breach to U.S. government agency continues, how do you think his last days will be remembered?
2: They, they won't be remembered well. While he's been silent on the two big issues of the day, COVID and Russian hacking, he has not been silent about continuing to push conspiracy theories about the election. Notwithstanding the fact that the vote has now been certified by the states, the Electoral College has voted, he continues to push this narrative. Uh, and again, I think for a lot of people, they're starting to tune out the president. But make no mistake, this constant delegitimizing of a fundamental principle of our democracy that's voting will have lasting repercussions and there's a significant portion of the president's base that will believe him and that will uh, undermine trust in government which i think it makes it harder to solve all of the problems we've been speaking about today
0: well as always thank you so much for your time and your insight chris Liu, white house cabinet secretary under president obama the Supreme Court has dismissed as premature a challenge to President Donald Trump's plan to exclude people living in the country illegally from the population counts used to allot state seats in the House of Representatives. But the court's decision Friday is not a final ruling on the matter, and it's not clear whether Trump will receive final numbers from the Census Bureau before he leaves office next month. A federal grand jury has indicted six men as part of a conspiracy to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer. If convicted, they could get life in prison. Authorities say the suspects were motivated by a belief that Whitmer was overreaching her powers with executive orders for coronavirus restrictions. The indictment says they ordered $4,000 in explosives from an undercover FBI agent in September. Then in October, four of them met with the agent and used cash as a down payment five of the six appeared in court Thursday for a pre-trial conference where they pleaded not guilty. A total of 13 people have been charged in the domestic plot. And major news out of Washington, where the Pentagon says the top U.S. General Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley met with the Taliban delegation in Doha Qatar this week. It was part of an effort to achieve peace in the region. In November, the Trump administration announced the U.S. will withdraw thousands of troops from Afghanistan and Iraq by January 15th. That's just days before President-elect Joe Biden takes office. The U.S. has been directly fighting the Taliban or supporting Afghan security forces against them since shortly after the 9-11 attacks in what has become America's longest war. More of you news after this short break.
3: Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19
0: will be felt for decades to come. Both
1: parties are very far apart.
0: Approximately
3: 250,000 people have lost their lives. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion.
0: Welcome back to U News. As the coronavirus crisis in Europe grows worse and despite an increase in coronavirus cases in Spain, one of Madrid's leaders said her government was not planning to enforce more restrictions on the streets. Residents had mixed feelings over the city's loser restrictions and the fact that people can still go out and socialize. The Madrid region has had a weekly average of 244 cumulative cases per 100,000 residents for the last 14 days. That is back to levels seen before the second wave started and barely above the national average. Meanwhile, in Latin America, Chile's President Sebastián Piñera said that the first 20,000 doses of Pfizer BioNTech coronavirus vaccine will arrive in the country this month, allowing the South American nation to begin vaccinations. Piñera said personnel working in intensive care units in regions with the most infections will be the priority for initial immunizations. Chile has signed a purchase agreement for 10 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine, enough to inoculate 5 million people. In Mexico, there is big hope about the effectiveness of the vaccine developed between China and Canada. That effort seeing largely successful results as thousands volunteer to continue a trial that could turn things around for the country. Paulina Gomez has more from Mexico City.
3: The final test for the Chinese-Canadian vaccine, CanSinu, has started in Oaxaca, one of the most marginalized areas in the country. Juana had to overcome her fear to injections to get her shot against COVID-19. After a month, I am okay. I only had headache, muscle pain, but not that bad. Among the 1,000 trial volunteers are healthy people and others with chronic diseases like diabetes and hypertension, but none has had COVID. Miguel Angel got a dose too.
1: I'm
3: trying to contribute a little to battle the pandemic that has affected everybody leaving behind so much sadness. The vaccine was developed in Beijing and it is in its third and last phase, the most important one. The phase three trials is the last step before it goes on the market and it can be applied to the population. After getting the shot, a strict protocol follows a weekly phone call and 20 days later, a checkup. And a visit after 6 and 12 months. Blood samples are taken to verify if they developed antibodies, I mean, if defenses are being produced against SARS CoV 2. Up to 15,000 Mexican volunteers in 15 states will be part of this phase trial. Still, there's a long way to go for this vaccine. Even though it has been approved by the Mexican health authorities, the final phase for the Chinese vaccine will take 12 months. This means that it won't be ready until the end of next year. Paulina Gomez-Bulchinar in Mexico City, U News. In a little over a year after the brutal massacre of the
0: Lebaron family in northern Mexico and at the hands of alleged organized crime, their community is unveiling a monument in honor of the nine victims, all women and children. President Lopez Obrador present for that ceremony, receiving new pleas for justice in the case. Ingrid Rojas has the details.
4: Amber tries to overcome her grief after the murder of her cousin Ronita and her sister Duana. Massacred with their children two years ago in Bavispe, Sonora, where today the government raised this memorial. And the love they left is immeasurable. The angel Moroni, prophet of the Mormons, tops the monolith as a symbol of new life, while at its feet nine roots symbolize the victims killed on November 2019. This memorial is amazing. Family members who had fled to the U.S. after the murders were reunited by the monument's inauguration, like Francine, who had not seen his sisters and mother for two years. My daughter left and doesn't live anymore. It's sad, and to see this memorial. The names of the victims were also engraved with the message, let the anguish of the children who witnessed the murder of their mother and siblings be remembered. Absent from the monument is the word Le Baron the family's paternal last name. They've been raising their voices so this tragedy doesn't go unpunished. I think the message for me and for those who are hurting in Mexico is that the president and the government don't care about protecting life. 17 people have been arrested according to Mexico's Secretary of National Defense, but the Levarons say only three of those arrested are related to the massacre and several more suspects are missing. Adrián Levaron recorded this video upon his arrival at the event led by President Andrés Manuel López Obrador.
3: They arrived. Why aren't they inside?
4: You thought we were going to abandon you. Only a group of 20 were allowed inside. The rest stayed outside like Ronita's father. The government offered messages of encouragement to the families, but did not report progress in the investigations. Reported by Alejandro Madrigal in Mexico City, this is Ingrid Rojas for Unions.
0: The government of Cuba is saying that the island nation's economy shrank 11% in 2020 due to the pandemic and tougher U.S. sanctions. President Miguel Diaz-Canel also said on Thursday that the government had frustrated attempts to exploit this monetary weakness to create social unrest and topple it. Addressing a year-end session of the communist-run country's parliament, Diaz-Canel said the state-run economy would grow 6 to 7% next year. Earlier in the day, economy minister said it would have it would take the next 2 years for Cuba to recover from this year's sharp contraction. And in Argentina, hundreds of women protested yesterday outside Congress in Buenos Aires to heap pressure on the Senate to legalize abortion, just days ahead of the nation's upper house taking up the, the divisive issue. The demonstration comes amid a fresh effort to make abortion legal in Argentina that has a better chance of success than previous failed efforts. The country's Senate will vote on a bill to legalize abortion in December on December 29. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review.